Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Before Northwest fruit growers switched to cardboard boxes in the 1950s, they packed their apples and pears and other fruit into wooden crates for shipment across the nation. The crates were adorned with elaborately illustrated labels, and as the Capitol Press recently reported, these labels are now coveted by collectors in the Northwest and across the country. Because these advertisements aren't just beautiful, they are pieces of history. Carlos Pelli is an archivist for the Yakima Valley Libraries. Mike Doty is a volunteer curator at the Yakima Valley Museum and a longtime fruit crate label collector. Thomas Hull is a collector as well. He's also a history teacher at A.C. Davis High School in Yakima. They all join us now. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Carlos, first, when did fruit crate labels become advertising tools? So fruit label advertising tools throughout the West Coast uh, originated in the a 19th century, specifically in, uh, I would say, around the late 1800s is when you first start seeing uh, fruit labels appear in the Yakima area in central Washington. Who was the intended audience for these labels? Interestingly enough, these uh, labels were actually designed not for, um, like, for example, uh, folks going to the grocery store. These are actually designed for buyers, commercial buyers, who were interested in filling markets at these uh, different various grocers. So that it was a tool to to actually advertise to a to a professional commercial market. If that's the market, if those are your customers, the the the, the large scale buyers, what kind mm-hmm. of messages did fruit, you know, did orchard owners want to communicate? They definitely were interested in a variety of different way uh, ways to kind of grab the eye of these large scale buyers. Some of the things that they would really try to introduce were, of course, uh, different themes that prevailed during the day, but it was almost always the freshness and quality of the products that they were delivering. So uh, you would see, you know, very well illustrated pictures of fruit and, and and very bright, vibrant colors. And so it was a way to kind of associate that freshness with the fruit. And that's what they wanted to communicate that very quickly. Mike Doty, what kinds of memories of fruit labels do you have from when you were growing up? How present were they in your life? Uh, Growing up, they weren't. Um, I got into the industry when I was 23. And um, that was the first time I'd seen a label. Huh. So, and before that, they were just, it wasn't even like people would have them for nostalgic reasons in their kitchens. Well, I wasn't aware of it. (laughs) How did you get uh, involved then as a collector? Well, it happened by accident. Um, An Apple salesman um, in Wenatchee um, asked me if I could ask a warehouse in um, Yakima if he could get one of their labels because his cousin had the same last name and he was wanting to make him a clock for Christmas. So I go into the warehouse and ask the manager and he takes me down in their basement to a couple file cabinets and says, 
take whatever you want. So I grabbed the one for the guy in Wenatchee and I took about 50 for myself of different ones because I thought they were neat looking. And then I took them home and uh, my father was in the industry um, and he used to even paste them on boxes when he was a kid, first in a warehouse. And so um, I laid all 50 of them out on the floor. We looked at them. And so he called a buddy of his who was a collector. This was in 1980. We went to his house and he gave me another 50. And then I started, plus some traders. And then I started, um, when I was going to the warehouses, I asked them if they had any. And some of those warehouses gave me labels and maybe a few extras. And it just snowballed. Huh. And, and when you were going to all these warehouses, why was that? I was. I started out being a produce inspector for a co-op of chain stores. Oh, okay, so you had a a reason to be there for your job, but then you also that that reason gave you access to these places. And at that time, in the early '80s, there were just th- these old labels were just sort of forgotten in file cabinets and basements. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Vault. Um, some of them were in vaults. I remember. Um, some of them were up in attics, um, out of the way, the ones that weren't burned or, um, taken to the landfills, um, did survive. Thomas Hull, Mike Doty has been collecting labels since 1980, 43 years ago, longer, as I understand it, than you have been alive. You're, you're 32? Yes, sir. That's correct. How did you get interested in collecting labels? Thank you for that question. That's, uh, my family was in the fruit industry for five generations, and uh, by the time I came along, we had actually exited the fruit industry and entered the golf industry. We turned our orchards into a golf course, hmm. but uh, the story of sort of my our family's connection had, had remained vibrant, and one year for my birthday, my grandmother gifted me a copy of uh, the, the fruit label that my family packed under, and she said, I, you know, it's just a copy here, um, our original label is really hard to find, but I want you to have a copy of it. And I cherished it as a kid, thought it was fun. And then as a young adult, people saw me become interested in history. And I had some acquaintances and family members sort of casually gift me labels because as I am sure Carlos and Mike will both attest, they're, they're beautiful images and they make great gifts oftentimes. And so people gave me labels. Um, as a, a casual gift, and then that sort of piqued my interest and uh, drew me to go seek out um, an original copy of my family's label, and I've been on that hunt ever since. Oh, so you you don't have your own, an original copy of your family's label in your collection? Not in my personal collection, not yet. Huh. I, I, I know of them to exist in other collections. Uh, I know of some other large collectors that I'm close with that have them, but I'm still looking for an original for my collection. What does it look like? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> by most uh, collectors' uh, um, perspective that it's kind of an ugly label. It's a simple black backgrounded label with two red apples on it and a uh, gold diamond shaped H. Uh, it's not uh, again in comparison to many of the other label specimens that are out there. It's not particularly beautiful, but uh, in the collecting community, labels are based 
uh, labels are classified both based upon image and also based upon respective rarity. And even though my family's label is not particularly beautiful, it is particularly rare. So the hunt continues. Mike, um, what are you on the hunt for right now? Well, I happen to have one of those Diamond H labels, <laughs> but I um, shellacked it to a crate that I went through a crate pile back in, I think, 1981. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for whatever Wait, if I If I could just have. interrupt there. So, so you shellacked it to a crate. Does that make it uh, less interesting for other collectors? Yes. Okay. But it's the only one I have. Uh, but so what what are you interested um, uh, in in collecting yourself right now, Mike? Everything I don't have. <laughs> but you have what fifteen how many do you have right now? Uh, probably about four thousand four thousand. okay. And there's still many more that you don't have individual oh, yeah. I'm sure ones. Th- I'm sure there's another four thousand or five thousand out there I don't have. Hmm. Carlos, are there different eras in, in fruit crate labels over the decades? I mean, different big pieces of history where you can actually see the art or the themes changing? Yes, actually. Um, there are classifications that are about, I think, three different eras that come to mind, and they range corresponding to, to their years. So um, the first one, it was, the, uh, the, it was called the naturalistic era. And that was from 1885 to the to the Roaring Twenties, 1920, and that was that was characterized by uh, uh, children, uh, scenes of farming, uh, Native Americans, cowboys, uh, you know, very natural kind of things that are associated with nature. Um, and then the the next era was directly after, and it's the advertising era. And this is when we start getting into uh, uh, this right after World War One. So you have things that are that are uh, more more uh, uh, bombastic, uh, things like Hollywood, uh, Broadway, uh, uh, the, the the electrification. By this point in time, is more of a mainstay more and more common so you see things uh, re- revolving around radio and 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 then things like that and luxuries um and then the 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 last one that i was mentioning was the uh commercial art era and that is uh from 1935 to about 55 and uh, this is when uh you know where people are going through the great depression so so the value of fresh fruit is kind of very very prevalent so um and this is when you start seeing the the, the beginning of those like kind of like geometric designs on labels hmm. becomes more prevalent but um yeah uh, more or less like things uh, uh, that we wouldn't necessarily always associate with with fruit so you also seeing things of like uh, aristocratic life um science fiction uh technological conveniences think all those uh things would be in that that kind of commercial art era thomas how do you reckon with racial or gender stereotypes that sometimes crop up in these labels I like that question. That's a question that I pose to my students oftentimes when I'm using labels in the classroom because a label is a primary source. It's a window for us into the events of the past. 
it's also a window for us into the beliefs and the perceptions that people had in the past. And so when we look at the way that um, individuals and um, individuals of certain races or ethnicities and individuals of certain genders are portrayed on labels, I challenge students to look at that label and say, okay, why are we choosing a picture of a um, beautiful, uh, robust, blonde woman to smiling blonde woman to sell this fruit or why are we choosing a picture of um, young children that are smiling and happy and look very physically healthy to sell fruit and I oftentimes tell students if you walk away from looking at these primary these labels these primary sources with more questions about them than you have answers <laughs> then you have accomplished what we want you to do with a, pr a primary source in history. But really, for me, they show us how people viewed themselves in uh, at the turn of the century. Again, as Carlos was saying here, from about the late 1880s through the mid to late 1950s, um, how are we as Americans or um, as Canadians, there's a lot of fruit labels that come out of Canada as well, how are we viewing ourselves? And then how are we viewing others? Um, what about the portrayals? There's many labels um, amongst the pear and apple uh, crate uh, label body of material. Many labels portray Native Americans on them. What is the portrayal of the Native American population? Uh, how are they portrayed by the non-Native American population, the, the lithography companies and the um, artists that are working for those companies, many of them are not Native. And so what do they perceive Native American culture to be? And it's oftentimes very flat and very dismissive. We buy into the stereotypes that, uh, if you're familiar with Frederick Jackson Turner and this belief of the American West and um, the expansiveness of the West, how do we buy into this belief of uh I hate to say it, but the noble savage is how Turner views the Native American population, and many labels also portray that that image. Thomas Hull, Mike Doty, and Carlos Pelli, thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thomas Hull is a fruit crate label collector, a teacher at AC Davis High School in Yakima. Mike Doty is a volunteer curator at the Yakima Valley Museum, a label collector himself. And Carlos Pelli is an archivist for the Yakima Valley Libraries. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. Think Out Loud and OPB's critical reporting from all across the Northwest happen only with the support of our members. Do your part now and join in as a sustainer at opb.org pod.